Rusty Quill presents. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Greetings, survivors. Following entries are taken from additional notes found alongside Elliot's journal. Many of these are in letter format or note format, and judging by the handwriting, were not written by Elliot for the most part. While they don't necessarily pertain to the brother's story, they do help shed some light on others who have experienced life in the aftermath. As always, I advise listener discretion going forward. Listen closely, survivors. To whoever reads this, I want to tell you what I know. 
it's important that you read this carefully. I'm not suggesting in any way that what I know now is any more or less than any other survivor of this tragedy. But it's something, isn't it? I've been through hell and back and somehow come out the other side. I think that's largely down to the fact that I've spent a good portion of my life preparing for times like this. And largely down to a big, fat chunk of luck. So, I'm telling you what I know now. Because I don't want you to make the same mistakes I did. Because for most folk, well... I don't think there's anything coming back from that. Almost everyone here seems to be either preaching about the rapture, the end of all days, the time, the almighty, blah, blah, blah. Or they're so far down a pit of despair they've turned completely inward. There are a few, like me, of course, who have come to terms with the survival lifestyle quite quickly. Almost naturally, I suppose. Especially now. Here we've shared our stories with one another time and time again. I'd say some of the tales were, well, just that, tales. If I had lived through some similar experiences myself. I won't lie to you. It haunts me every day now. I still struggle to sleep. And I feel like a child at times. Afraid of the dark. It's not without reason, though. Certainly not without reason. But there's absolutely something more at play here. There are many things that don't scare me now at all. Likely never will. So if you're reading this, I have a story to tell you, and if you choose not to believe me, may it be your downfall. And if you choose to listen and heed my warning, then I wish you all the best. Being outside is foolish. Being outside in the dark, well, it's suicide, for lack of a better word. That's where they'll come for you the most. At night. In the dark. And I don't just mean the people. I mean the demons, too. Before I made it here... Before I felt the warm embrace of the bunker and the vague semblance of society it offers, I wandered the desolate landscape up there, flitting from place to place. Still astonishes me. Nearly 70 million people in the UK, 300,000 in my city alone, and I've seen five people since that afternoon when I woke up from my night shift. Just five. Two of them were dead. Withering husks crouched together in a corner. And the other three wanted me dead, or worse. By this time, I'd already had enough trying to stick to what I thought might be the more civilized pockets of humanity, and headed for the woodlands and nature reserves dotted between the villages and towns. I had, uh, I hoped that whilst these routes might take me longer, they would at least be safer. How wrong I was. 
It was coming to the end of summer. It had been a particularly long and dry one. Plenty good for firewood, but I had no need of it. No need of it at all. The sun beat down on me every day. It made walking too far out in the open an awful pain. So I stuck to the cover of trees as much as possible. Every now and then I'd try and find the nearest road, see if I can figure out where I was on the map in relation to A7. It's amazing the amount of times I was meters from the road, but had no idea. So much of the woodland was overgrown, and without any cars passing by, you could easily miss a single track running right by you. So I moved around between the street, forest, open grassland. Every one of them had their own dangers. Out in the streets, you'd feel like you were being watched from every window. Out on the grassland, you'd be so exposed... Anyone could see you from miles away, and uh, who knows how quickly some of those things out there could travel. Then, of course, in the forest, you felt like you were being stalked. Every fallen leaf, rustling tree, or broken branch made your heart skip a beat. It wasn't as much a case of where was safest, but where felt best at the time. It was a particularly dry and hot day that I chose to walk the woodland path. The shade of the trees provided a much-needed reprieve. Now, this particular woodland had a map at the entrance that signposted small towns and roads that surrounded it. There was a small village, Camberton. I recall seeing that on the news when all this bunker nonsense was first announced. Bunker A7 bordering the town of Camberton. I'm sure that's what they said. Given the vast expanse of green space on the map between me and that town, I could only assume this walk would take most of the day, especially judging the distance of the area reflected on my own map. I recall really getting into the stride of my walk and feeling positive about finding A7 soon. The woodland was peaceful and calm, and despite the heat, great deal of birds were singing their merry little songs that kept me cheerfully marching on my way. <laughs> there were times when I almost forgot about the world around me, the state it's in. But sure enough, there were little pockets of degradation to remind me. <sighs> Trees that had uh, rotted unnaturally quickly. <clears throat> Swaths of brambles that had rapidly overtaken entire sections of the path. <clears throat> this really worked towards slowing me down, hindering my progress. At one point in particular, I, I remember a slim wooden bridge, or at least what remained of one, stretching across a, a raging river. At some point, it had clearly been a perfectly efficient and easy way to cross, but now... It was just a pile of rotted wood and corroded metal stuck up against some rocks, being beaten by a torrent of water. It was at this point that I decided I'd need longer than just a day to get through here. If I was to find somewhere safe to cross and carry on my way without having soaking wet boots and a feet full of blisters for the next week, I'd need to rest. I didn't really have much in the way of a tent, just a small tarp that I drape over whatever I can find to protect me from the elements. My original tent had been stolen from my house before I could get home and retrieve my survival gear. Bastards. Well, 
I'm just glad they didn't find the rest of my kit, to be honest. Luckily enough, though, that night in the forest was as calm as the day and very nearly as warm. I camped under the gently rustling canopy, wondering every now and then about the spray of new stars that littered our night sky as they seemingly winked in and out of existence between the waving branches above. This was the last pure moment I had out there. When you, uh, when you wake up out in the wild, it's, uh, it's not the same as in your own bed with four walls around you. I mean, sure, there, there might be a few seconds when you mistake the vague comfort of a pile of leaves for your mattress, but that's truly a fleeting moment, albeit quite comforting for the time it lasts. That morning, though, that morning, I knew immediately something was awfully and terribly wrong. I couldn't open my mouth, couldn't turn my head, couldn't move my arms, my legs. My entire body was encased in some sort of wet cocoon. The only part of me free was my nose. Just one gap to breathe through. Oh, and trust me when I tell you that the thing that swaddled me in that encasing mucus absolutely intended to leave that gap. I was meant to be kept alive paralyzed and blind but breathing nonetheless my uh my first instinct was to squirm to writhe to try to break myself free of course I had no such luck <clears throat> my body was so tightly locked in this viscous membrane that all the strength of my arms and legs was completely useless with nothing to brace against. After realizing my efforts were futile, I, uh, I tried to calm myself down to think of a logical and sensible way to escape. It was only then that I realized how much the awful shit I was covered in stank of something like vinegar or stale beer. So potent and strong it took me a while to hold back the urge to vomit I knew for sure that would be a death sentence if anything was going to kill me out here there was no way in hell it was going to be that after a few minutes I uh, calmed down got myself together began thinking clearly about a way out it soon occurred to me that I'd slept right next to the base of a tree, between some roots that rose steeply above ground. Rising to my feet, using the tree trunk as support, I braced my feet against the protruding roots and scraped my body against the tree, shoulder first, down the gap between my torso and my arm, over and over, one clean movement at a time. 
at first I thought nothing would come of it, but after a while I could feel the cocoon's grip loosening and my arm beginning to free up. It was then that something silently reached out a clawed hand and with a vice-like grip around my throat pinned me to the tree. I still remember feeling its hot, stinking breath travel up my nostrils from below as it held me aloft. The stench threatened to bring back the urge to vomit, and perhaps it would have done were I not momentarily stunned in fear. It was then that I started to hear a sort of squelching sound, like you would hear from the mouth of someone with no teeth attempting to chew through particularly moist food. I knew immediately that this thing was attempting to reseal the hole I must have made in the cocoon. I wasn't about to let that happen. This would not be my coffin. Mustering all the strength I could, I forced my right arm free of the mucous membrane. With a clenched fist and a muffled cry of anger, I launched my right arm blindly into whatever held me against the tree. Luck must have smiled on me for one brief moment as the creature screeched and reeled back, dropping me to the ground. With one hand free, I tore the bindings from my mouth and eyes, and I quickly got to work on freeing my legs. I would do the rest later. I know I only had moments to run. Far and fast. And not for a second did I even consider looking at the thing that trapped me. Every part of me knew that would be a mistake. I've seen these things before, and looking upon them does not bode well for any part of your living or waking life. If I was to have either of those in the future, I had to escape as fast as possible. I could describe to you the desperate panic in which I raced through that woodland, the awful sounds the creature made behind me as I slipped, jumped, and tumbled my way through undergrowth. But there's something more here. Something more I have to tell you, and there are others who seem unwilling to leave me on my own for long periods of time. I think they suspect something of me. So I must finish my story in private. I can't let them stop me. I'll overcome it. And then they can know. When I burst out of the forest and into the blinding sun of that late summer's morning, my heart skipped a beat. A chain-link fence greeted me just a few feet ahead. Beyond that, beyond that I could see the telltale signs of Bunker A-7, buried deep under heavy mounds of earth. With a last burst of energy, I reached out and I pulled myself up and over the fence. As I clambered down the opposite side, and went to take my fingers away from between the links. My body unexpectedly lurched back toward the fence. Reaching out from under my fingers were these hideously squirming tendrils that began to wrap and coil themselves around the links. 
stretching slowly toward the forest. Once again, I tried to pull myself away, but to uh, no avail. They, they clung so strongly and rebelliously to the fence. <laughs> there was no way I was going to let anything stop me from getting to A7, not now that he was in sight. Using my free hand, I unslung my backpack from one shoulder, unzipped the side pocket, and yanked out my switch knife. And with one clean sweep, I severed their connection right at the fingertip. The pain that jolted through my body in that moment was unlike anything I have ever felt before. For a second, I nearly lost consciousness, but the sheer will with which I wanted to... had to get to A7 kept me going. The tendrils that wrapped around the fence almost immediately became limp and lifeless. A brown ooze pouring from where they'd been severed. Slinging my backpack back over my shoulder, I ran for A7, pounded on the door, and I hoped and prayed for a response. It's been two weeks since then. My arm itches almost every day now. It's becoming unbearable. It feels like trying to scratch something through a thick winter coat. It's, it's never quite satisfied, never quite quelled. And, and, and it, it moves. It moves down my arm and it, and it tickles hideously under my fingernails. No matter how much I scratch and rub at them, it just it doesn't stop. Not until it wants to. Uh, I think the others know. I think somehow they know. They'll assume the worst, they always do. But I've been through the worst. I've been through hell and back and come out the other side. I'll do it again, and then I'll tell them, and they'll understand. But for now, I, I, I can't let them kick me out. They, they can't throw me back out there. So, uh, I'll do what I need to. I'll do what I have to. To stay. In A7. If you're reading this, and you don't know who I am, then I failed, and I'm sorry. But I just don't think that's going to happen. Yours, for now, an anonymous survivor.
Like the sound of this? Join our Patreon to gain access to new Letters to Shadows episodes every month that are just like this, as well as a whole load more exclusive extras. Check it out at patreon.com forward slash wake of corrosion. Our show will be returning for a third season. Thank you for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Can the reach of a plan sponsor extend beyond the retirement plan? With financial well-being support from Vanguard, you can help your employees gain the peace of mind to embrace all of life's moments. Discover Vanguard well on your way. Visit institutional.vanguard.com to unlock financial well-being. All investing is subject to risk. 